liberty, there is freedom. Well, I don't know how many joined us for pre-service prayer, but we had a wonderful time this morning, pre-service prayer. The presence of the Lord just has come in in such a marvelous way. And so um, one thing about the Lord is when he shows up, he doesn't just show up to do nothing. Right, he shows up. He never shows up empty-handed. He never shows up without all that he is. Uh, and uh, all that he desires is in him. Right? He desires things for all of our life. And so, um, praise the Lord. I remember um, a story uh, Brother Hagin would tell. He said uh, there was this uh, minister's wife uh, who had a, it was a, it was a, uh, I don't know, I think it was cancer, but it was some, some condition which she was going to die from, physical condition. And uh, she lived out on the other part of uh, Texas from where he lived, and so he and another minister went there, it was a long drive. Um, at least full day drive to get there. And so they prayed three days and nights for this woman's healing, to receive healing. And uh, she, uh, after three days and nights, he said, I've never prayed this long in my life for anything where I haven't got it. And so uh, he sought the Lord and, you know, he said, uh, you know, it's like we're working on the sending end for healing. And he said, the Lord doesn't change. His will for healing is the same now as it was yesterday. It's the same today, and it'll be the same tomorrow. And so uh, uh, the Lord said, you need to work on the receiving end. And so the woman said, uh, the pastor's wife, she said, um, oh, I know it's all me. I messed up in so many ways. It's all my fault. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't understand. Well, she was reacting out of the flesh because the flesh will look to the flesh for the answer. Right. And, and, uh, and then the enemy will he'll always help you with that, because, uh, you know, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but there's a lot of things that you do that I do that are not perfect and not the best. In other words, we're, we're all the Bible says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So if you're human, you have infirmities. I'm not just talking sickness and disease. I'm saying like you have some faults. You're not perfect. I have some faults. I'm not perfect, right? But I am a saint made in the likeness of the image of Almighty God. I am not designed inwardly to sin. But if I try to live by the flesh, I will sin a lot more than if I live by the Spirit. If I, if I live by the Spirit every moment of every day, I'd never sin again in my life. But I mean, you have flesh. Just, just pinch it, you know, or have your neighbor pinch it, you know, or something like that. Have your enemy pinch it. I don't know. Maybe don't do that. Maybe don't do that. So, you know, we're working on the receiving end. In other words, uh, I like to equate it kind of like, uh, this is funny because I don't really play either of these sports, but I have, tr I have, I have uh, uh, attempted at different times, like golf and tennis. Anything where you can have a, a sweet spot, Okay. So tennis is the one I really remember because I had a tennis racket when I was younger. I thought I wanted to play tennis. And so I would take the tennis ball and just like bounce it like this on the racket. You know, and, and that's, 
that's fun, whatever, but you feel like a lot of vibration in your hand. But then one time when I was doing that, and no, I didn't know about this before I did it. I guess that's why it impacted me. So I'm bouncing it. All of a sudden, it hit the sweet spot of that racket. And before, it was bouncing like this, and it like went way up. And I didn't have the vibration in my hand. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? Well, then I would play it on the court, you know, and, and uh, throw the ball and uh, hit it, you know. And when I would hit it, you know, man, it's, it's not that fun. It's not that impressive. And I thought, this is boring. Why would anybody want to do this? I don't enjoy this whatsoever. But then I hit the sweet spot. And that thing just, it was like self-powered. Like, I'm like, whoa. And I tried to do it again. I couldn't do it again. I'm like, where was it? Where was it? Oh, oh. And then every once in a while, I would hit it, you know. And same thing with golf. I was a caddy for a while up in Baltimore area and uh, north of Baltimore. And uh, so I, I tried you know, a few swings of golf and same thing happened. Like I, I'm, I'm hitting the ball and it's like, just, I'm like, how can people spend this much time doing this? I mean, that's been all day out there. And, and then one time, my, this was only like once or twice total in my life, probably that I had a sweet spot on a golf ball. I'm like, Oh, that thing is like gone. You're like, that was awesome. I did that. So you feel like I didn't do that. Like, the, the club hit the ball in just the right way. And I, I said, oh, I see how people might could enjoy this if they, if they got good at hitting that spot. And so, uh, you know, if you're going to live by faith, Second uh, Corinthians uh, 5, if you're going to live by faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. If you're going to live by faith and you're never hitting the sweet spot, that is not enjoyable. And sometimes it can rattle your hand a little bit because it's painful, if you know what I mean, if I'm using the example of the sports. But man, when you hit the sweet spot in believing God, well, it's like you become a receiver and you're like, whoa. So, so let the Lord work on your receiver. So uh, was it uh, not this year, but last, uh, last year in uh, January, February, or some maybe... February, March, we were needing to uh, get some rocks. I have a pile of rocks in the yard, and um, a, a vehicle needed some rocks because it was kind of wet and slippery. We, we had to be able to move it. And um, so we're going up to this pile of rocks, and uh, we have a five-gallon pail that you can get at Home Depot or Lowe's, but then we also had a six-gallon pail uh, that we got from somebody else. And um, so we were trying to put these rocks in here because I didn't have anything to move the rocks easily otherwise. And so Melody and I are out there and uh, filling the pails. And um, all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me in my spirit and said, uh, you can receive more rocks than your wife because you have a greater capacity to receive. And it came as revelation to me. I was like, whoa. And so I started to chew on that. You have a greater capacity to receive. Doesn't mean anything about me versus her, except I have a greater capacity because my receiver is bigger. And so what the Lord can deliver to you and what the Lord can deliver to me is greatly based on our capacity to receive. And your capacity to receive the size of your bucket is really based upon the word that you know in your heart. 
Because once you know in your heart, well, here we're, in, in a little bit we're going to talk about um, um, the provision of the Lord. Well, once you know in your heart the will of God is to provide for you, well, well your, your mind will start to, start to be like, oh, wait a second. You know, because for years I thought, you know, the Lord uh, doesn't want you to have anything, you know. Uh, some people take a, a vow of poverty. And thank the Lord for his mercy. So if you've ever taken a vow of poverty, you can just, you know, come out of that. Because you should never really take a vow of anything that the Bible says uh, that you shouldn't have. So um, we walk by faith and not by sight. We receive by faith. How, how do you get saved? Ephesians 2, was it? Ephesians 2, 8. It is by grace that you are saved through faith. It is a gift from God. Lest anybody should boast and say, hey, look what I did. So anything that you're going to receive from the Lord is going to come by faith. Or you can receive anything that the Lord offers by faith. Because there is like working of miracles where your faith doesn't have to be involved. And you may receive from the Lord that way, but uh, you might not keep it. But when you receive by faith, you can stand upon the same faith that you received with, you can stand with. Having done all to stand, you stand therefore. And when you stand, I don't care how powerful the devil tells you he is. I don't care how loud he roars. I don't care how powerful the world system says it is or appears or what authority the world system thinks they have. They are deceived. Jesus is Lord. And when you come under the lordship of Jesus, you qualify for the blessings of the kingdom. And that's all based upon his work, what he did, who he is, his heart towards you. For God so loved the world. That, does, that means the people in the world. It doesn't say, so God, for God so loved the earth. For God so loved the world that he gave. I don't think God is stupid. I don't think he invests in un, uh, things that aren't going to have a pretty good return. So he, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, anybody, anywhere, anytime would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life or the same life that God has, the same nature that God himself has. Whoever should not perish. You should not perish in your relationships. You should not perish in your finances. You certainly should not perish in your spirit. You should not perish in your body. You know, sickness is the beginning stages of death. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you would have it more abundantly. Not just, so, so that life is the life and nature of God. It's the Greek word zoe. It's the same life that God has. The same identical life that God has is what Jesus came to bring to you and to bring to me. To give to you and to give to me. That same life. As he is, so are we in this world. Jesus is not depressed. Jesus is not sick. Jesus is not overwhelmed. 
He whom the Son sets free is really, really free. So, uh, uh, here we're going to get into the scriptures. Let's, uh, or more scriptures. I know I quote scriptures all the time, but uh, I chew on them so that they live on the inside of me. And then uh, they come out when I minister, but also in my own personal tough times. And so, uh, you just take a breath, hold in for a second, and then just let it go. There's no pressure on me. Right? Say, there's no pressure on me. So God designed us as receivers. And the Lord will expand your capacity to receive. As you receive the word, actually he takes us from faith to faith. And from glory to glory. So, you know how I, how I believe, how I know and believe and declare is that God himself designed you to receive everything that he has for you. He created you in righteousness and holiness of truth. So you're actually created to receive everything that God has for you. But your mind will stop that. Your mind will prevent that. Yeah, you can stop God. The will of God is that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The will of God, he desires that every man, every woman, every child, every human on the earth come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him in fullness. It's not his will that any should perish. That's the will of God, yet it's not happening. Well, you say, well, I, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. All right, so you're, you're, you're a new spirit. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, but you must behold all things that become new. Because in some arena of your life, you may be perishing. Death may be trying to take hold. The enemy may be trying to, well, he is trying to, whether you recognize it or not, steal, kill, and destroy. That's the only reason he came. He masquerades as an angel of light, and sometimes we cozy up with him and say, oh, yeah, you want my good, you want, you know. Praise the Lord. All right, well, let's get going. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Amplified says, For we walk by faith, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus we walk, not by sight or by appearance. Romans 1.17, for, uh, you know, one sixteen says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To them that believe. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to the ones that believe. The power of God to salvation of your spirit. The power of God to salvation of your mind. The power of God to salvation of your body. The power of God to salvation of your financial picture. The gospel is the power of God. What is the gospel? It is the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross, not by himself. He was by himself physically. 
But he was on the cross with my sins and your sins, with my sickness and your sickness, with my poverty and your poverty. Those things that were assigned to me because of what I did or because of what I didn't do, those were all placed on him. The gospel is the best news in the whole world. And the gospel says when he was on the cross, you remember in, in Numbers 13, the, the, the people were like, uh, oh man, why in the world did we follow God? It's just like we're going to die in the wilderness. This is horrible. Nothing's working. I'm hot. I don't even like this manna anymore. I mean, he's doing a miracle every day and it annoys me. You ever get that? It's like, uh, you got a mustache. It's like the story of the guy with Lindberger cheese. He's eating the cheese and gets stuck in his mustache. He's like, in the kitchen, he's like, man, the kitchen stinks. You ever smell Lindberger cheese? Nasty. I don't know why people would try to eat it. I don't, no, I don't want some. I don't want some. And the kitchen stinks. He goes out into the living room, you know. He's like, Oh, the living room stinks. He's like, I'm getting out of here. Maybe that smell went from the kitchen to the living room. I'm going to go in my bedroom. He goes in the bedroom. Man, the, the bedroom stinks. Must have got in the ventilation system. I'm going outside. He's like, goes and steps on the front porch. He's like, ah, the whole world stinks. But the problem was right here. Right above his lips. So in Numbers 13, they're in the wilderness and they're like whining and complaining and uh, they open the door to the devil. The Lord allowed snakes to come and poison the snakes and to come and bite them. And they begin to die. Moses sought the Lord. Lord, what do we do? He said, just get a pole, brass pole, carve a serpent on it, put a serpent on the pole. And whoever looks will live. I like the Amplified Translation. It says something like, uh, whoever has a constant, steady, absorbing gaze will live. And so you see, like, if you look at the serpent on the pole in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant which we have a better covenant established upon better promises. The Bible says the old covenant was types, shadows, pictures, illustrations for us so we could know what it's really like. And of course, we know the serpent on the pole was a representation of Jesus on the cross. So what did they do? Well, they look and they see this serpent on a pole. And I was looking at that one day and I thought, now why in the world, Lord, did you say, put a serpent on the pole, the very thing that bit me because of my sin and my mistakes and my failures. And you say, if I look at my sin and my, my, my mistake and my failure and the thing that came and bit me and caused death in my life, that that's going to cause life in me? Now, I know your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, but that doesn't make any sense to my head. Why did you do that? Sometimes the greatest challenge that you have is in your own thinking. The Lord said, look again. And so I looked again. And I said, okay, so on that pole is the very thing that bit me because of my mistake. I deserve that because I disobeyed. And I whined and I complained. And I have children that sometimes whine and complain and I can understand. Okay. 
And then I hear myself. I'm like, oh, I'm wanting to complain. So I looked at that and I said, but that's Christ. Why would, why would we want to look and see all of our failures, all of our mistakes and the death that's caused, the venom that's thereby has access to us? Why would we want to see that on the cross with Christ? And the light came on. Amen. Like literally, all of your mess-ups, because you're not perfect, and the result and the consequence of those things, he said, anyone that looks at that cross and sees on my son all of those sins, all of those sicknesses, all of those uh, natures to sin, iniquities, that's iniquity, bents to sin, like you're formed um, not when you're formed in Christ, but before that you have iniquity many times, which means you have a, a bent to sin. So you're supposed to see all those on the cross and whoever takes that in, steady, constant, absorbing gaze will live. And I think, oh, this is good news. The gospel is good news because on Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, every single sin, uh, the, 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 the pathway to hell itself, Satan being your father, and sickness and disease and the curse in every form, including poverty, is actually on that cross. If I now realize it's on the cross, then I might understand why is it on the cross? It's on the cross because Jesus took it himself. He lifted it off of you. He lifted it off of me because he loved me, because he loves you. This is the gospel. This is great news. I'm not in bondage to that any longer because Jesus took it off of me. As soon as I look at it, realize it, take it in, it'll change who I am. It'll change what I say. I'll say, oh no, oh no, devil. You can't give that to me. That doesn't belong to me. That's, that's Jesus. He took it. He took it to the grave and actually says in Acts chapter 2, I think it is verse 24, that he went to hell itself and hell itself could not hold him because it didn't have the power. So Jesus entered to the death experience itself, not just separation from the physical body, but into the into the heart of hell, and he stole the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he took it so the devil could no longer dominate you. But he will dominate you every day of your life that you don't change your mind and you think he is. In other words, you think he has the right to do that. Why? Why? Well, because you know what I did. I'm so aware of what I did. Oh, I had a bad thought, and then I acted on the bad thought, and that's what I did, and I deserve this. That's what the devil wants to keep you. You're not looking at the cross. You're not taking in what Christ did. But then don't just stop at the cross. Because not only, it's one thing if he took all that stuff off you. But it's a whole other thing. When he said, I am he that was alive and dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Uh, he is the forerunner of a new species of being that every believer becomes when they accept Jesus Christ, whether they recognize it or not. They become, you become, I become a new creature in union with God, in union with Jesus Christ. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And so you become a, a whole new being. And you have no business putting up with anything from the devil. Primarily, he works through thoughts. He will dominate you by dominating your thoughts. You cannot fight a thought with a thought. You must fight a thought, especially a thought from the devil, but even a thought from the flesh. Uh, with the word of God or 
let me say it better, with the rhema of God. The revelation that God shows you, what you see, the light God gives you, the witness God gives you on the inside, that you know like, well, this is the Lord. Because your flesh is not the devil. And many people, uh, many of us humans would like to say desires of the flesh are the work of the devil. Because why? It's the devil's fault. He made me do it. I would never have chosen to do that. I would never have eaten the last dessert when I was told to not do it. The devil made me do it. Well, what happens is, the devil thrives on ignorance, in ignorant people. And the devil has studied people for thousands of years. He's not smart. He just lived a long time. So if he can't get you one way, he'll try to get you another. So if he can't get you to feel just sorry for yourself, like poor me, poor me, I'm the worst of the worst, the worst of the worst, he's going to say, you know, you know, you're different than other people. You're kind of a cut above. There is, there is none like you. No one else could preach the word like you do. I could search for all eternity long. No one would ever find anybody as good as you. I mean, you hear people say, like, the church has got it wrong for the last four or five hundred years. Christians saying that. So-called Christians and some actual Christians. They're really saying everybody that caused the word to endure to this day, that the Lord used to do that. Everybody that preached the gospel. Everybody that, you know, how can they believe if they don't hear? How can they hear without a preacher? Every preacher that ever preached, they just didn't know what they were doing. I mean, I got born again through their preaching, but they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> if they come see me, if they rose from the dead, I could tell them that they were off. I'm not saying that religion, not relationship with Christ, but religion sometimes goes its own path. But the devil is, is a sneaky little fella. And when he's revealed, it says we're all going to look and say, he's the one? He's the one? But he makes himself out to be like this big fella, you know, just like a Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, however that thing says. You know. The little squeaky man behind the curtain. So, so the enemy will try to get you, you know, a natural human wisdom. And so you'll say, well, that's not wise, and that's this, and I know this, and I've experienced that, and all these, for 400 years, all the preachers were wrong. You know, they're all wrong. But the Bible says that that's natural wisdom, sensual wisdom, devilish wisdom. But the wisdom which is from above is, first of all, pure. Easy to be entreated, without hypocrisy. And so uh, don't fall for the trap of the devil because he'll keep you in bondage. And if your mind does not change 
get transformed by the word of God, the devil will steal from you. Your flesh will steal from you. But boy, when you receive the word, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, God is a rewarder, rather, to those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Whoa! Apparently, the reward of pleasing God, you know when you do it. Because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And somebody say, yeah, I know that. I know that, but I'm not diligent in seeking him. Well, the reality is, if you just give a little bit of your heart to the Lord to work with, if you would just read the Word or feed on the Word for five minutes a day and pray for five minutes a day consistently from your heart, your life would be transformed. Because God and His Word are that powerful. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That scripture is not even in my notes. Because it's the power of God unto salvation to them that believed, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Verse 17. For therein, in where? In the gospel is a righteousness, the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You could translate that. As it is written, the just will have life by faith, by living by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. This is really good news. Amplified, for in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright will live and will live by faith. I like a message, the Bible says, God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith, confirming what Scripture has said all along. The person who is right standing before God by trusting Him really lives. Well, you haven't really lived until you live by faith. Man, living by faith is so uncomfortable on your flesh, but your spirit turns flips. You're like, there is no natural possibility that this will work, but there is all the spiritual, real, unseen assurance that it's already done. And there's nothing quite so gratifying on your spirit as to put your flesh under because your flesh thinks it knows everything. I've already experienced it. You know, based on my experience, that's not how God works. Based on my family's experience, that's not how that works. Well, God wants to get us beyond what we've already experienced or what others that we know have experienced, and he wants to get us into things that only he can do. But he cannot get us there if our minds will not be transformed. If we're just going just gonna to slip back into the old ruts, into the old habits, into the old way of thinking that, is, that limits God. A man can limit God. We do it every day. But what would it look like 
What would it look like if a man, a human, just really gave themselves to the Lord to do what he wanted to do? What would it look like? Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Well, we have the best example in the world, which is a man, and his name was Jesus from Nazareth. And he gave his whole self to the Lord, to God himself. And Jesus is like the mold that you and I have been poured into and come from. Jesus is like the archetype. He's like the type of all types. He's like the original of all originals. He's like the creator of all creation. He's like the author of all faith. And God is looking for a person who will so believe what he said he did in the gospel that they will, they will step out with nothing under their feet but what the word of God says and say, this is the most solid place I have ever stood. Let the winds blow. Let the devil roar. I'm standing on the word of God and I will not be moved. Romans 10, 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if you will confess, that's the Greek word homologeo. If you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, verse 10, unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession, homologeo, is made to salvation. Well, this, you know, you can become a new creature in Christ Jesus with this scripture right here by believing and acting on this scripture right here. But you know, you can be delivered from any sickness, any disease. You can be delivered from poverty. You can be delivered from uh, depression, mental illness, from this scripture, these scriptures right here. Right, right, right. Jesus is Lord. It's the greatest confession you can ever make in any part of your life, any day of your life, any time of your life. Jesus is Lord. When you're faced with things that are overwhelm you, your confession ought to be, Jesus is Lord. You don't know what to say? Just say, Jesus is Lord. Say, you know, I'm not really sure about all these little details, but I know this, Jesus is Lord. But your, your confession, your confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ is not just saying in rote, Jesus is Lord. What, wait a minute. What am I supposed to say? The pastor said to say Jesus is Lord, but I don't know what to do. Jesus is Lord. Well, okay. That's a start. Just keep saying it. And eventually, you will hit the sweet spot. Because suddenly you'll find, whoa, how did I do? Whoa. Those words were different. They came out of my mouth. Those were different words. Those words were full of some kind of power. Because you hit the sweet spot. Well, what is the sweet spot? 
you believe in your heart and you homologeo with your mouth. And when you homologeo with your mouth, it's the Greek word, it means to say the same thing. As who? Say the same thing as who? Answer. You can answer. As God. What does God say? Well, you find out what he says right here in the word of God. It's called the word of it's God's So if you homologeo, you say the same thing that he says. Well, I don't know how well you know the Lord. And the more you know the word, the more you'll know him. But just a little that you know him that I know him. The little I know of him and about him. Let's see, is he a liar? Let's see, is he selfish? Let's see, is he trying to make life difficult for you? Uh, is his heart pure? Is he impure? Is he evil? Is he trying to keep things from you? Well, by the Spirit, 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things, above everything else. He's talking to believers at that point. Beloved, I wish above everything else that you may prosper. That means financial. Financial, but not just financial. You know, prosperity is like that you would have a prosperous journey. What's the purpose of your journey? Well, I'm going here to accomplish this. Well, I pray that when you go on the left hand and the right hand, in front of you and behind you, you'll have so much provision that you're like, this is like a dream. I have everything I need. And not only that, I have so much that I can, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, give into every good work. All sufficiency for all things, I'm able to give into every good work. But you know, when I go on a prosperous journey, if I go on a journey, you say, wow, the Lord prospered that journey. That means not only did I have the natural provision, don't cut that out. If the body of Christ is poor, God is poor. If the body of Christ doesn't have money, God doesn't have money. Human, uh, you know, U.S. dollars, Mexican, what is it, pesos or whatever? I better stop. I don't know all those things. <laughs> Italian lira. Well, it's not anymore. They have the euro, whatever. Anyhow. Disney bucks, is that what you said? <laughs> So we're, we're, we're trying to be in a series about this. But, but you must understand the way you receive anything from God is by faith. And faith speaks. What does it say? It's even in your mouth and in your heart. It is the rhema of faith which we preach. Rhema is a revelation from God or something God makes real to you that you're like, whoa, God showed this to me. Well, you might not even realize God showed it to you. You might just be like, oh, I have never seen this before. Like I, like I see this in a different light. Like they got those puzzles, you know, and if you have the wrong light, you can't see what's in it, but you put the right light on it, you're like, whoa, it just pops out. You see it in a different light. 
instead of the light of your mind, you see it in the light of your spirit that God almost sounds like Proverbs. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. This will happen deep inside of you first. The eyes of your spirit being illuminated by God's own spirit. That from your spirit you see things. Sometimes I've seen things that my, my spirit rejoiced and leaped and like kind of turned flips, you could say. You're like, oh, this is so good. But my mind, never heard such a thing. And my mind was like, well, we'll see about that. But my spirit's like, oh, no, it's done. It's amazing. But my mind's like, oh, no, you know, I knew so and so. I've never experienced that. So how could it be true? Well, that's, that's the flesh. And as I was trying to get to a minute ago, you yield to the sum of things of the flesh and the devil will come in and gratify that fleshly desire. Like, you know, well, I know more than everybody else. And the devil will be like, you're right, you do. <laughs> Finally, you're right. We should all just listen to you. You know, I know the Lord says that in, in his word, but, you know, the Greek probably doesn't say that. My favorite thing is when I, you, you kind of look, and I was studying for stuff this week, and I was like, I wonder what the Greek says. And I was like, huh, the Greek says the same thing as the English. <laughs> How will we ever get to where we're going? We just keep going. By faith, is that what you said? That's right. By faith. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. Smith Wigglesworth said, it seems like God would pass over a million people just to get to one person who's acting in faith. Just to get to one person. Faith pleases God. I understand. Well, I mean, to the extent I understand. He might have had, obviously he had lots of revelation I didn't have on it. But, you know, God passes over a million people just to get to one person that's acting in faith. But, you know, like you look at that mountain a different way and you say like, as soon as you or I choose to believe what he said in his word and unite ourselves to that yes. how is it possible that God wouldn't show up because he said I'm watching over my word to perform it how much ability does God have to watch his word yeah. nobody else might know what you believe and what you're speaking but I guarantee you God knows Amen. nobody else might hear it but I, I guarantee God hears it yeah. He said, I watch over my word to perform it. So what if we declare his word? So con confession is not just like I could make uh, a computer say the same thing actually with its speakers as what the word says. But God himself, he is the word. So when God says, I love you, it's not like a computer saying, I love you.
Let me tell you, there's a whole lot behind the words that he's speaking to you. His words are full of truth, full of reality, full of mercy, full of grace, full of faith. He does not speak empty words. He does not speak just to hear the sound of his voice. In fact, the Bible says that the voice of the Lord is upon many waters. And the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. When God speaks, things happen. So when you homologeo, you're saying the same thing as God. Well, God always speaks in what? Faith. By Actually, you only understand that by faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. This is Hebrews 11. By the word of God, so that what does appear was made of what does not appear. Literally, by faith, we understand God framed this world by his words. He believed in himself and spoke those words, and there was light. And the water was separated from the land. Right? And everything was created except for man. And then God formed man himself from the dust of the earth. But man was not living, and he breathed into man the very breath of life. And he made man in his likeness and in his image a speaking spirit with dominion. He said, I've given you dominion on earth. And so when you confess or homologeo, you are exercising dominion. Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have faith in God. You know, he cursed the fig tree and they're like, oh, Jesus, the tree that you cursed is withered away. He said, yeah. He said, I have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes the things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Lord, open our eyes to that. This is probably the greatest teaching on faith in all of the word of God. And Jesus literally said, you know, your faith is expressed in your authority. Well, he said he marveled twice, one at doubt and unbelief, and the other one at this faith as a centurion. And the centurion said, Lord, you don't even need to go to my house. You, I'm a man under what? Authority. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. You speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Because I understand authority. Well, Jesus said, whoever speaks the word of authority to this mountain. He says in there, whoever says, says, says three times. The first says is the word command, epo in Greek. Whoever speaks a word of authority to this mountain and believes those things that he says, that's the Greek word lego, which is like my kids love Legos. They build Legos. So you build something with Legos. You could say it's a set discourse, a systematic discourse. It's what you're always saying. It's what you're always about. So if you make a command, and then what you're building with your words is from what you believe in your heart, I'm not under the curse. Jesus set me free. That does not belong to me. And that's 
You know, anybody that's around you would know, the woman with the issue of blood, blood uh, Mark chapter 5. For she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. You know what I believe she did? She saw. She heard and she saw by the Spirit. You know, in other words, it was revealed to her from, from the Lord. And she's like, hmm, if I just touch the, let me tell you, let me make a declaration. If I just touch the hem of the garment, I shall be healed. But then it says, she kept on saying, if you, if you actually study it out, that means she had an initial release of her faith. In other words, I am planting a marker right here. Boom. You watch. As soon as I touch him his garment, I'll be healed. And then she passed by you and she said, you know what? As soon as I touch him of his garment, I'm going to be healed. You know what? As soon as I touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. You know what? All I have to do is touch the hem of his garment. And Dave said, Dave said to her, you know, what's going to happen? And she said, if I just touch, you watch. If you can be there and watch. When I touch just the edge, just the very edge, just a thread sticking off, I'm going to be healed. And she said that all the time. She let that belief consume her so much that it affected where she went, what she did, and what she said. Yes. Whoever shall say to this mountain, right? And then the last word, say, he'll have whatever he says. That's whatever he commands. So you command a thing. So when you homologeo, when you confess, you are confessing with authority. You are setting a stake in the ground. You are declaring this is what it is. With an act of your will, I have decided to believe what God said. You, devil, you go no further. In fact, now you must retreat. Yes. So this is biblical confession. So when I say Jesus is Lord, oh, down here is churning. When I got a financial attack coming, when I got a physical attack coming, when I got a mental attack coming, when I have a relationship challenge, what is churning right down here is I refuse to come under this because Jesus set me free from this. I am under his authority. And maybe thoughts would come like, yeah, but you, do, you, you lack in this area. You mess up in this area. You know, I say it doesn't matter because the blood of Jesus cleansed me from that. That man is dead. I walk by faith. I live by faith. I don't live by sight. And the very words of those proceeding out of my mouth from the place that they have lodged in my heart, they become a part of me. And when I declare that, I'm releasing a part of me and I'm setting a part of me right there so everybody can see the devil, the demons, the angels, God, you and me. This is what I believe. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. I believe it. It is our declaration of faith. And if you will not waver from that declaration, there's nothing the devil can do but watch. We believe and we homologeo. We believe and we speak. I have believed, therefore uh, have I spoken. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We have the same spirit of faith. I have believed Therefore, have I spoken. We also, we also believe and therefore speak. Now, Stan, I'm going to do something different. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you've been authorized to do the same thing that I'm getting ready to do here. But uh, the Lord put this in my heart right at the beginning of the service. And so I knew exactly what's happening. 
And so, specifically concerning anything, you can take it. But specifically concerning sickness and disease in your body, you all over here, whoever, sickness and disease in your body. Uh, as believers, we have been authorized by God himself. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one of God, I declare every sickness and every disease in every form and in every manifestation must depart from every body in this place who is looking to the Lord to receive. And you're authorized now to be whole. So if you check your body or you check whatever, you just say, I believe. Say this confession. That's what we believe, what we speak, right? So say this from your believer. You got to find your believer. You shut down your mind. You're like, no, 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 I'm not. What about this? What about that? What about? No, no, no. I'm making a bold confession. I am declaring this is the way it is. Come on. The Lord is looking for someone who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. He wants you healed. He wants you delivered. He wants you free more than you desire it. His yearning passion and desire is that you be well, that you be whole in every part of your life. And the devil is stealing from you. He's lying from you. He's deceiving you. Now all you do is you just hook up your speaker with your believer. With the word of God. Come on, Second, uh, 1 Peter 2.24. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. If we were healed, then we are healed now. Matthew 8.17. Himself, Jesus Christ himself, took your sickness, my sickness, your disease, my disease, in his own body, on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live to righteousness. By whose stripes we were healed. Amen. So say this. Say, I declare... In the name of my Lord Jesus Christ. And based on his love for me. And based on his mercy towards me. And based on his word. That sickness and disease does not belong to me. Sickness you go in the name of Jesus. Disease, you go in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to, to be specific. You don't have to say it super loud so people around you can hear, but you just say, whatever you are. You know, if I had cancer, I'd say, cancer, you go in the name of Jesus. Every, every, every name. His name is above every other name. So even undiagnosed problem, you got to go in the name of Jesus. And I declare, you're repeating this, and I declare, right now, I have received healing. It is mine. I am free. And then just, let's just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not sick anymore. You know how tired I got of having the thoughts of that sickness and that disease. Come on, you keep talking. You know how I saw the future dark and dim. Oh, thank you, Lord. I don't see it dark anymore. Thank you, Lord. I see light. I see health. I see deliverance. I see prosperity in my body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus really.